This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we build professional development systems to help engineers and their firms grow. You can now download our recently published AE Industry Trends Report, which contains answers to the following questions. How long will the great resignation last? Are firms still allowing remote work and how is it affecting their productivity? How are successful firms using data to create people-centric cultures? You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It's not easy for us busy geotechnical engineers to keep up with industry trends while keeping up for engineering work. Therefore, it's our goal at the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast to help you do just that. We strive to keep our listeners informed with important industry topics and also to educate you on interesting technical topics and trends in the geotechnical world. In this episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast, I'll be talking with Scott DeFiore, who's a PE and a principal at Simpson Gumfort and Hager Incorporated. We'll be talking about the development of the new ASCE standard, Design of Foundations for Buildings and Other Structures. I'm your host, Jared Green, and I'm excited to be bringing you another episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. Before we go on here, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Tensar International. Here's a message from Tensar about their award-winning software, Tensar Plus, which is available to you at no cost. Check out Tensar Plus. The award-winning design software for construction professionals to design with geosynthetics and calculate their value on projects. Tensar Plus is simple to use with a powerful engineering system at its core. It leverages our decades of research and experience with soils all over the world, so you can count on your solutions working the first time, even in the most difficult conditions. Whether you're designing a crane pad or need to build a temporary road over muck, the cost, time, and carbon savings can be calculated making comparison with alternatives simple. Specs, reports, and product data can be generated for your design. And training resources, research, and our third-party expert reviews are all provided conveniently in the software if needed. Usable both online and offline, the app is available in browser and on all major mobile platforms. Whatever you're working on, Tensar Plus is your toolbox for success. Welcome to the show, Scott. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Jared. So I'm glad you were able to come on. We've really been looking forward to this conversation. I think to set the stage, it would be helpful for our listeners if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself. What is it you do on a daily basis? And what are you doing? I knew you're at Simpson Comfort and Hager Incorporated. What is it you do on a daily basis there? I'm a principal in the, the Waltham Boston office. I've been with SGH about 17 years now. My background is in uh, geotechnical and structural engineering, and I do a lot of soil structure interface related issues. And that can be design of foundation systems or design of repair or strengthening, whether we're doing any underpinning or support of retaining walls that might be failing. So I get involved with design, investigation, and rehabilitation, all three aspects of the discipline, which keeps it interesting and dynamic again, with a lot of soil structure problems, building settlement, wall movement, slab on grade problems, as well as some more traditional structural and geotechnical work, but really a lot of the wheelhouse work becomes in that soil structure interaction world. 
it's interesting when you think about geotechnical engineering, you think about structural engineering, when it comes to what we're doing below ground, there's so much overlap between geo and structural. So it sounds like you're doing a little bit of both. I have master's degrees in both geotechnical and structural engineering. I started with geotechnical engineering and always gravitated toward the, the structural aspect of things and went and picked up my master's in that area. And um, it just allowed me to kind of expand my bandwidth to cross over into both worlds. I know some structural engineers are a little bit afraid of the geotechnical world. Some geotechnical engineers are afraid of the structural world and, you know, just in a good spot to kind of be in between and fill some of those gaps, you know, in between and understand both aspects of the industry. I smile because I'm thinking I've heard geotechs talk about the structural as that's the dark side. I've heard structurals talk about geo as the dark side, but it's good to speak both languages. That's very important. It's actually not so bad. It's like it's just a, the soil is just another structural material, right? It just happens to not have, it's just not linear elastic behavior most of the time. So <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, Scott, I understand you chair the committee for essentially all things geotech from shallow and deep foundations, ground improvement to seismic and special inspection considerations, just to name a few. What's been your involvement with these types of committees and how has that benefited your career as it relates to being an engineer? I've always been involved professionally, um, but this is a, a bigger committee than I've ever really been involved with before. I kind of got involved with this five or six years ago with some discussions with the Structural Engineering Institute and the Codes and Standards Committee out of the, the SEI Institute, knowing that there was an initiative to create this standard, kind of make something, it's a basically a design of foundations standard, much like, well, I'll put it as somewhat parallel to ASCE 7 for building loads on structures, uh, but trying to pull together a standard for design professionals and building officials to be able to use and understand as it pertains to foundation design. I got involved with this helping write the proposal. ASCE had the idea. They came to me and asked me if I'd be willing to chair it. I offered to, to chair it, helped write the proposal. Uh, we got that moving. And then we developed a partnership between the Structural Engineering Institute and the Geo Institute to pull from both committees, uh, professionals that were willing to help. We have contractors on the committee, building officials on the committee, professors on the committee. And it's really become very interesting. Everyone recognizes there's a gap and a need to consolidate information and putting in a significant effort towards, towards moving this. The challenge here is that this is brand new, right? So there's no template. There are other references out there that we're pulling from, but it's not a revision to an existing standard. It's starting from scratch. So it's uh, been challenging. It's been interesting. And I'm meeting a lot of motivated people who are with a lot of experience to help, including some of your colleagues at Langen. So so something like that, it's not a revision. So you're starting from, from scratch. So it's a blank document you're starting with. How do you make sure that we're not forgetting someone, some aspect of the industry, some location? How are you making sure you're getting all the right people to the table when putting something like that together? That's really an excellent question because it's, and it's very important. People applied for the committee and you know we've gotten different folks on different groups. And thankfully, we've gotten people from different geographic areas. There are, in fact, we're seeing that there's very, you know, we have a, a practitioner from the Louisiana, New Orleans area that has very different issues than we do in the, you know, in some of the, the limestone or karst environments in the Midwest or the seismic issues on the West Coast. Or, but we've gotten various disciplines or various professionals from different parts of the country, West Coast, center of the country, Southeast, Northeast. So that's been important to us. And it's been important to us to get both geotechnical and structural engineers on the committee because they bring different perspectives to the table. 
And it's extremely important for us to get the contractor. And in fact, there's a demand, there's a requirement for us to have certain contractors on the, the voting committee and a certain number of design professionals on the committee, certain amount of building officials or general interest being professors or others in academia. And we've got that and we're very sensitive to it. And uh, so what happens is we have our group of, let's say, 60, 70 professionals, and we'll come up with an approach. If we need more input, we'll reach out to certain professionals to ask for them. In fact, we have reached out to a certain contractor that's a specialty foundation contractor to get his input on one type of foundations. But that's one option is we can reach out to people directly. But there's also a public comment process that anything that we put forward goes through a public process of balloting where you can address and resolve comments from the public uh, to see if there's anything that we might have missed. So it's important for us to kind of, like you said, try to identify what we might miss ahead of time and address it. Otherwise, it just can just ripple later on and we'll just have to deal with it later. So, Do you have any idea what the milestones are going to be? Is there a release date? I know it's not open-ended. What are you committed to, if you're allowed to say? Normal cycle is like a five-year cycle, but it, I would say that's for something that was probably existing for the most part. And this is um, a bigger bear than that. I'm hesitant to say. I mean, it's more than a couple years and it's more than, than a couple and hopefully well less than a decade. So we have work ahead of us to get where we need to go, you know, with everyone that's volunteering for the effort. So I would say more than two, but good grade. I'm hoping it's more, well less, well below 10. I'll put it in like a, a goal of a four or five year window. Let's put it at that. What do you think prompted the decision for this standard to be developed? Was it just something that was missing and folks asked for it long enough and they said, we have to do this? What actually prompted this decision? There's certain foundations that just aren't covered in our standards and codes as we sit here today. So that's one. And then other existing codes that are out there, you know, they had a starting point and you make modifications and you make modifications. And over the, the years and the decades, it starts to become a little bit disjointed or inconsistent with different things that are in there. So it just becomes more cumbersome as the way they get revised. So there's two angles on it. One is address the foundation systems that are missing and then streamline and make consistent other foundations that are captured in some of these you know, existing documents that are out there to make it something that... And then the, the ASCE as a whole can control that within its standards process and more readily make changes as it sees fit with the input from the contractors and the building officials and the rest of our voting committee, which encompasses all of those entities. Trying to get an idea just how big an initiative this is. I mean, how does this compare to, you mentioned ASCE 7, like, is this just the largest thing we've seen? Is this the largest since? You said there's about 60 people working on it. How big is this? I'm trying to get an idea because it sounds pretty big. It feels big to me. I think it feels big to the people on our committee. I don't know the turnaround for ASC yet seven when they started that. You know, Ron Hamber is a colleague of mine who kind of pulled me into this, and I think he was a significant player. Or Don Duesenberry, a couple others at SGH kind of brought me into this a bit. I don't know how many years. ASC seven was also a monster effort. I can't even compare because I don't know what they had to do to get where they need to go. I do know they had hundreds of people on that committee. And maybe as we go, maybe we'll be up over 100 by the time we're done. I don't know what it'll get to. But um, it feels like a very significant effort. Tough for me to compare. I, I guess I can compare it to ASC 7. But in terms of whether it's 40% of that effort, 20% or 60%, I have no idea. How often are your people meeting this, uh, this group of 60 so far? 
this a monthly exercise, quarterly? We got together initially right at the start of COVID. So we met monthly, just trying to come up with our goals and what we were trying to achieve with the select steering committee out of that group of 60. That was a good part of 2020. And then starting in 2021, we broke up into the different subsections, like you mentioned at the very beginning. And each chapter, or, you know, spread foundations or deep foundations or ground improvement gets together on a monthly basis virtually. And then the, the overall committee gets together two to three times a year. And we just started last fall to get together in person. So uh, last fall, we were able to get together in person at Keywood out in Denver. This spring, we got together in Reston for, uh, at the ASCE headquarters. And in next month, October 2021, we're meeting at the SGH office in, in Waltham. So we're meeting on a regular. In fact, I just got off a meeting an hour ago with the steering committee planning for October 2021. And for folks that might be listening in that are interested, who do you need? You need people that are with the industry 10 years, 20 years, five years. I mean, what's the range of uh, experience that's helpful for you if you're looking to still grow it? Yeah, we're always looking for help. And there's really no limitation. I mean, a young engineer who's just starting his or her career can help because you can take notes. You can help keep us keep us organized. In fact, we need a balloteer right now that we're, you know, we're looking for, which can be, is a good job for a younger professional. We're looking for folks in the middle stages of their career and at the end stages of their career. And we have everybody you know, throughout that gamut right now. So there's really no limitation. Someone that's very experienced with many foundation designs or some, someone that's very experienced with the in-situ testing requirements and, and the QA, QC, anything in that regard, we're interested. Certainly contractors, specialty foundation contractors are on our committee that are helping us you know, develop the right language for their systems. There's really no limitation. It's amazing what a younger professional can do and, and what he or she learns and the networking opportunities for being involved. And I, I know one of my colleagues has been doing that and has been getting a lot out of it and providing a lot of value. Time too. It's, uh, you know, sometimes when you're younger in your career, you have access to more time. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> might be the other way around because they're working so hard. Yeah, right. <laughs> it might be the other way around too. I think it's great that, um, you know, an initiative like this, keeping your eyes on that, what that end goal looks like in order to get there, we have to work together. So I think that that's really powerful. What are some of the other benefits of the project? When you think about other civil disciplines working together in the future, do you think that this becomes a model? I mean, what some other thoughts you can see from this? That's really interesting because some of the things that we're seeing in our industry and it's seen across the civil engineering industry is, is delegated design, you know, as more and more specialty systems come in and the design professionals putting together a set of drawings and contract documents might delegate a design to the supplier or the contractor. And it just creates um, now a third set of design professional in the system. And that applies to some of our foundations, some of our ground improvement systems, some, some different things. So we're going to try to capture what is each's role and responsibility. That's a gap in every many delegated design areas, whether that be a building envelope or whether that be whatever the system is that we see delegated design all over the place. And the key is coordination from A to B to C and know what everybody is doing to avoid problems later and, you know, and get everything right you know, on the design end. Before we take our break, what's the final piece of advice you'd like to give the geotechnical engineers and perhaps even structural engineers or geostructural engineers that might be listening or watching? It's communication. It's, you know, pick up the phone when you're working on a project. 
to understand the other's perspective, understand what, ask the question, right? If there's something that's missing that helps you inform a design or finish a design, ask the question so you can get that information. Now, if owners or others didn't capture that within a scope, then maybe you need to ask for some changed scope condition, but it's important to have those conversations. It's tough to work in silos. I think as an industry, we're seeing improvement in that. And I think there's still plenty of room for improvement. I agree. Pick up the phone. We're emailing about things that we should be picking up the phone and talking about. So that's great. We're going to come back in just a minute and close this one out. And Scott, in our Career Factors Safety End segment, stick around. All right. Welcome back. It's time for our Career Factors Safety End segment. In geotechnical engineering, just like many disciplines of engineering, it's important to incorporate a factor of safety into your design. But what about incorporating a factor of safety into your career? Today, of course, we're speaking with Scott DeFore, PE, and Principal at Simpson, Comfort, and Hager Incorporated. Scott, you've already had a very successful career. When you look back in your career, what's something that you've implemented in your career to give yourself, let's call it a factor of safety in your career? There's an interesting angle, Jared. I guess it, it does make sense when you stop and think about it. I guess I have a natural answer because I was interested in the crossover between geotechnical and structural engineering and, and practicing in both areas. And I early in my career, I got my geotechnical engineering master's degree first, but started to gravitate toward structural behavior next to you know using soil properties and went and got my structural engineering master's as well to feel skilled and to develop my skills in that area. And it's allowed me to cross over and do a lot of different things on one side or the other, or in many cases in between the two. So I would think that's the biggest item in my career. Another is we're taught as as students, when we're students, we design, right? We design new structures. We, we figure out what's something with a blank slate to design new. And what I've gotten into more at Simpson, Gumperts, and Hager is also investigation and rehabilitation. You know, when something's existing structure, something has gone wrong, we want to maintain it and fix it. How do we do so? So it's just added um, more variety to my career, kind of gives you a different view of different parties' perspectives on jobs. And so, you know, the two different disciplines that I've practiced and also practicing in design, investigate, rehabilitate, which SGH has allowed me to do, you know, has been very powerful in terms of that factor of safety. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks for coming on and for sharing all the great insights with us. You shared some great information and advice. I'm sure it's going to be helpful for our listeners and those that are viewing. Somebody wanted to hear more. What's the best way for people to find you? You want to email, you want to share, or are you on social media? You can find me on LinkedIn, Scott DeFiore, D-I-F-I-O-R-E. My email is sjdefiore at sgh.com. So S-J-D-I-F-I-O-R-E at sgh.com. Or my phone number is 781-907-9320. I'm happy to talk to any of you. We'll get those in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on. This is great. Thanks, Jared. Have a good afternoon. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Please feel free to go to geotechnicalengineeringpodcast.com where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, that being episode 61, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, we wish you the very best in all of your geotechnical engineering endeavors. Peace. 
Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.